You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now here's Lee Wong. Around the mid-60s AD, a Jewish man, Paul, was imprisoned in a dank Roman holding cell. He was considered a public enemy who hated humanity because he propagated a particular message. And that message, it sparked riots and disrupted the Roman Empire's economy and it turned people away from full devotion to Emperor Nero. Now this message is the same message that we at City Tribe exist to persuade you of. It's this, there is one Lord, Jesus Christ. All things are through him and we exist through him. As Paul awaited his formal sentencing, he penned what was perhaps his farewell letter to his apprentice, Timothy. Paul sensed his own death was imminent because he wrote, the time for my departure is close. I imagine as Paul penned those words, he chuckled at the irony of the situation. In his past life, three decades prior, Paul was a Pharisee, an expert in and an enforcer of Jewish laws. And he was the son of a Pharisee. As such, he was very zealous about Jewish traditions and keeping them. And so Paul was sort of a terrorist. He persecuted his fellow Jews. He hunted them down and had in prison, even had killed for the very reason that he was in prison because they devoted themselves to that message. There was one God, Jesus. What's even more ironic is this. Some of y'all, have a hard enough time getting your family and friends to watch or listen to City Tribe messages with you. Heck, even Jesus himself, though he performed miracles, he had a hard time persuading people who followed him, who saw firsthand those miracles. He had a hard time persuading them that he's God. But Paul, Paul was surprisingly successful at persuading polytheistic pagans, people who worshiped multiple gods or no gods at all, that Jesus, a poor Jewish man who was crucified and buried and raised from the dead, that he was the one true God. That was an impossible task. Still, Paul sparked several communities centered around Jesus's teachings throughout his known world. Cyprus, Galatia, Thessalonica, Ephesus, Corinth, Philippi, and Colossae, to name a few. Ironically, despite his commitment to the one God, Jesus. In fact, because of his commitment to Jesus, in that Roman holding cell, that dank cell, Paul sat awaiting his fate. Now, for just a moment, put yourself in Paul's place, your freedom taken from you, your execution imminent. If you're anything like me, you likely would have felt afraid, depressed, remorseful, or even bitter toward Jesus. We might've thought all those years I served you, Jesus, and this is how I'm rewarded. We may have even altogether abandoned our faith. Heck, a few years prior, Paul himself and his apprentice, Timothy, they were ready to give it up and they wanted to die. Paul admitted, we even despaired of life. Indeed, we personally had a death sentence within ourselves. And so, being imprisoned, anticipating execution, surely Paul was still in despair, right? Surely he was brought back into despair. 
Well, in some of his final words to his apprentice, Timothy, Paul revealed the state of his soul. He wrote, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Paul was essentially saying, every time I fell down or got knocked down, I got up again. I never gave up. I gave my all in this life and I will die with no regrets. In the final season of his life, Paul was proud and he was at peace in his soul. And here's what's so fascinating about that. When we unpack the details of Paul's despair, we'll see how his peace in the mid 60s AD, that it surpasses all understanding. He should have never been at peace. And that's the kind of peace that I personally want. And that's the peace that I want for you. That no matter what knocks us down, you and I, we might get back up again and we might finish our race of life with little regrets. Now, my name is Lee. I'm one of your tribe teachers. And my hope for our time together today is through Paul's story, you and I will have a foundation for why we could and should get up again and again. And my hope is you will very practically know how to get up again and again. And so you not only finish strong the race of your life, but so you'll know how to encourage people that you love to do the same. And so why could and should you and I be motivated to get up again and again, no matter what we face? And how might you and I practically continue to fight the good fight, finish the race of our life with little regret and with the peace that surpasses all understanding? Well, the answers are found in a letter Paul wrote to a first century community of Jesus followers in Corinth. This letter has been collected for us in our Bibles and we refer to it as 2 Corinthians. And so if you're planning to follow along with your Bibles, get out your physical Bibles or your digital Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians. For those of y'all who have a physical Bible, it's toward the end somewhere in this area that you would see on the screen. Before we jump into today's teaching, join me in asking the Holy Spirit to give us divine insights and divine inspiration. So wherever you are and whenever you're listening or watching, say with me something like this. Holy Spirit, would you teach me something today? Would you speak to me and inspire me? In Jesus' name, amen. Among all of Paul's writings, scholars consider 2 Corinthians his most personal piece. It's very revealing as to all he experienced in his time following Jesus. The fact that Paul was at peace in his final season should be so inspiring for you and for me, and here's why. Listen to what he documented about his despair for the Corinthians. He said, five times I received 39 lashes from Jews. Many Jews rejected Paul's message that Jesus was God, much like he did in his past life. And so they punished him for being irreverent and for being a wicked person. Now, if you've ever seen a movie where an owner is whipping his slave, that's a lot like what Paul experienced. Listen to how lashings were administered according to the collection of Jewish traditions known as the Mishnah. His hands are tied to a pillar on either side of it. And the minister of the synagogue exposes the offender's chest. A strap of cowhide in his hands, he doubled over it into two and he redoubled it. He administers 13 lashes in front to the bare chest and 26 behind to the bare back. Now the pain from these lashings was so unbearable. If you didn't die, you at least urinated or defecated yourself. You at least passed out. One beating in a lifetime was one too many. But Paul, 
for teaching that Jesus is God. He was beat five times. That's 195 lashings over the course of his life. But that's not all that led to Paul's despair. He also shared, three times I was beaten with rods by the Romans. Now, Roman soldiers carried rods made of elm wood, sometimes even iron. And we don't know which Paul was beaten with, the elm wood or the iron. But the fact is, you and I, we wouldn't want to be beaten by either. Unlike the Jews who stopped at 39 strikes, Roman soldiers were trained to be merciless. They wanted to permanently put an end to Paul's preaching about another king and another kingdom that was greater than Rome's emperor and their empire. The soldiers likely beat Paul's legs and hands and he likely took blows to the face and was clocked over the head. So in addition to five unbearable Jewish whippings, Paul endured three merciless Roman rottings, but his list of sufferings continued. He shared also, once I was stoned by my enemies. Now, if what comes to mind is a group of folks pelting Paul with rocks, you're not wrong to think that. But that was only part of this ancient death penalty. Listen to how that Jewish collection of traditions, the Mishnah described stoning. The elevation of the stoning grounds was twice the height of a man. So Paul was put on a platform twice his height above rocky grounds. One of the witnesses to the crime pushes him by his hips with the hopes that the fall to the rocky grounds would kill the offender. Now, if he's still alive, the second witness takes a stone and we're not talking a small stone, we're talking a mini boulder and casts it on his chest. If he's still not dead, he's stoned then by all of Israel. Everyone present picks up a rock and pelts the offender. Now, I'm not certain how much of this stoning process Paul experienced, but however much of this he endured, he was lifeless because the scriptures teach the Jews dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. An unconscious Paul was left to rot and be eaten by wild animals. Now, think of the long-term injuries professional athletes who wear padded protection incur from impact. Now imagine the long-term effects from whiplashings and blows to the body from rods and rocks. Paul's mobility was undoubtedly affected. When cold weather came, he probably ached. He was literally scarred for life. His scars would have had scars. And not only that, he probably was deformed from where breaks and fractures healed or didn't heal correctly. In fact, the Corinthians shamed Paul's appearance this way, saying, his physical presence is weak. Now, are you starting to perceive the depths of Paul's despair? All that he had to overcome to get up again and again? Reading and hearing Paul's story, it reminds me of that Simpsons meme Stop, stop, he's dead already. Like, come on, this guy has suffered enough. I'm sure you'd agree with me. It's amazing anyone, after all that Paul experienced, it's amazing anyone would be motivated to get up again and again. But I'd be remiss if we stopped right there because Paul's despair goes even deeper. And it's important for you and me to see why we have the capacity to get up, why you and I can get up again and again. So stay with me a little bit longer. Day and night, for 18 months, Paul poured his heart and his soul into caring for the Corinthians. He taught them about Jesus and he modeled for them gentleness and generosity, compassion and humility. 
like a proud parent, he had so much hope that they'd flourish and live the life they were created to live. Paul phrased his heart for them this way. He said, there is a daily pressure on me, my care for all Jesus-centered communities. Yet shortly after Paul departed Corinth, his beloved Corinthians, they turned against him. Visitors came to them chattering that chisme. They likely resurfaced Paul's dark past as a persecuting Pharisee, as a terrorist. The visitors convinced the Corinthians to question Paul's character and his credentials. They even criticized his competency saying, his public speaking is despicable. Oh, the shame and the guilt of having to face your past once again. Oh, the betrayal and the rejection. Oh, the insecurity of being compared to someone more talented than you. Some of you know Paul's feelings all too well. You know the disheartening feeling of a coworker or a classmate sharing your secrets or spreading stories about you. You know the sickening feeling of investing so much in a marriage, your job, a church, only to be rejected. You know that inadequate feeling when being compared to a sibling or a skinnier woman or a more accomplished man. Those feelings can knock you down or they can feel like you're being kicked when you're already down. This mounting physiological and psychological trauma was just too much for Paul. It's why Paul admitted, we even despaired of life. Indeed, we personally had a death sentence within ourselves. This brings us back to our opening scene a few years later. Paul, in that dank prison cell, was at peace. He wrote that he had fought the good fight. He had finished the race. And so knowing now the depths of Paul's despair, here's what I hope you will forever have rooted in your heart and in your mind. If Paul, with a lifetime of physiological and psychological trauma, can get up again and again, so can you. Even if the verbal lashings from your abusive parents growing up or from being bullied in school have left lasting scars on your soul, remember that Paul got up again and again, so you can get up too. Even if betrayal from your spouse or berating from your boss has broken you like a Roman rotting, remember that Paul got up again and again so you can get up too. When the grief of knowing you won't see your loved one again feels like a boulder crushing your chest, know that Paul got up again and again so you can get up too. And when people are pelting you with stones of chisme and comparison, when they shame you for what you've done in your past, remember that Paul got up again and again so you can get up too. If Paul, with all he endured, can get up again and again, you and I, we can keep fighting the good fight. We can finish strong the race of this life with a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, if this is something you receive and if this is something you want the Holy Spirit to cement in your heart and mind for all time, give me a thumbs up, give me a heart, give me a smiley face. Now, why? Why was Paul motivated to get up again and again? And practically, how did Paul get up again and again? Well, in this very letter, he gives us clues. He wrote, I know a man in Christ, referring to himself, who was caught up to the third heaven 14 years ago. 
whether he was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Paul couldn't explain how, but he was convinced that he visited a perfect place where Jesus presides. He went on to say, I know that this man was caught up into paradise and he heard, if you're taking notes, write down that word or highlight, underline, circle that word, heard inexpressible words. This word from which we translate heard in the original Greek text, the original Greek manuscripts of this letter, it's critical to our conversation today. In fact, the Greek word for heard is important around here at City Tribe because it's the name of the faith community Pastor Humby is starting this summer. It's akuo. Akuo is the word from which we get acoustics. And in this particular instance, akuo refers to an inner spiritual hearing of Jesus's voice. And it doesn't mean to simply hear and it goes over your head or hear and it goes in one ear and out the other. It means to listen to, learn from, and live by what Jesus has said. Akuo means to listen to, learn from, and live by what Jesus has said. Now, Paul heard words so heavenly He said humans don't have the capabilities of communicating them. And while Paul couldn't say exactly what he heard, we know from his writings the kind of faith it birthed in him. Paul was persuaded of this. And if you're new to City Tribe, if you're trying to figure out who we are, what we're about, if you're trying to figure out what Jesus is all about, let this be a foundation for you and your faith. Paul was persuaded of this that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Paul was persuaded that God gave us his spirit as a down payment for a promise and that we are a temple of God's spirit. And what is that promise? Paul was persuaded that our earthly tent that we live in, our body, even if it's destroyed, that we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling place in the heavens. And because of this, Paul was persuaded that God's power is perfected in our weakness. So he took pleasure in weaknesses, insults, catastrophes, persecutions, and in pressures. Why? For when he was weak, then he is strong. Paul also believed that our momentary light affliction, he called his suffering momentary light affliction, that it's producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, he believed, so that each may be repaid for what has been done in the body. Now, whatever Paul's spirit listened to and learned from Jesus, it birthed in him a, what I'm calling, paradise perspective. Paul perceived everything through the lens of eternity. And it's from this perspective, through the lens of eternity, that he said that your pain and my pain, it can be repurposed to perfect us, to improve us. He was persuaded how you and I put up with pain. It only puts more points on the board for us to receive eternal rewards. Paul was persuaded that this life is only preparation for permanent peace in paradise with the one true God, Jesus. Therefore, he said, we do not give up. He gets up again and again because we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's this perspective 
this paradise perspective that is why each time Paul was knocked down, he was inspired to get up again and again. It's the promise of our pain being repurposed for praise in paradise that we, you and I, can be inspired to get up again and again. Now, if like me, you curiously question everything, you might be thinking, okay, Lee, like all of that, it sounds great. But I've had some really bad Mexican food produce some crazy dreams. So how might we know that Paul didn't base his life on just a bad trip? Well, we're talking about your life here and your suffering. So trust me, I believe that's a legitimate question. It's a welcomed question. I'm glad you're asking those. So hear me out though. Here's one of the reasons why I'm persuaded Paul actually heard from Jesus in paradise. Paul's experience wasn't exclusive to him alone in the first century alone. As documented by the books, Dreams and Visions and Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus, Jesus is still appearing to millions of people in our world today. Millions of people are hearing from Jesus. In fact, the last 14 years alone, more Muslims have professed Jesus is God than in the last 14 centuries combined. And Nabil, a brilliant medical doctor and devout Muslim turned preacher for Jesus is one of those stories. Listen to Nabil's story. Yeah, well, my parents are from Pakistan. And being that they're from Pakistan, it was their desire to raise a devout Muslim child here in the States. By the age of five, I had memorized the last seven chapters of the Quran and recited those regularly in my five daily prayers. And I actually finished the entire Quran recitation in Arabic by the age of five. So it was a very devout Muslim life. Approximately 50 to 70% of former Muslims who are now Christians came partially through visions and dreams. You had one very specific dream. Tell us that. In this dream, I was standing at the threshold of a narrow door. This door was just wide enough to fit me and just tall enough to fit me. I mean, in my dream, it was like, wow, this door is narrow. And at the other side of this doorway was a room that was set with a feast. And people were sitting down in nice clothes at these round tables, and it was like a wedding feast. And I knew in my dream that that room was heaven. I wanted to get into that room, but I couldn't because at the other end of the doorway was my friend David. He was looking forward. In fact, all the people in the room were looking forward, waiting for the owner or the speaker to come and start the event. But I couldn't get in because he was blocking the way. And so I looked at him and I said, David, I thought we were going to eat together. And he says, you haven't responded. And in the dream right there, I knew I needed to respond to the invitation David was giving me in order to come into heaven. But this is where it got crazy. When I woke up, I told my friend David the dream. And uh, he said, Nabil, this dream is so clear. Just go to Luke chapter 13. And uh, I went to Luke 13 for the first time. I had never been to Luke 13 before. Mm -hmm. And when I opened it up, there was a section there that was titled The Narrow Door. And when I saw it, my heart just stopped. And I'm going to paraphrase it. Basically what it says is Jesus was going through the towns and villages preaching the good news. And the disciples said, Lord, are many going to be saved? And he said, make every effort to enter through that narrow door because many will try and few will be able. And you will see people sitting inside at the feast of the kingdom of heaven. Make every effort to enter before the owner comes and closes that door. And so I knew that God had given me a dream straight out of the Bible and he placed me inside a parable, showed me exactly where I was and he left my decision up to me. Wow. 
And it was very clear for me at that point what I needed to do. Now, Nabil is just one of millions today who have heard from Jesus and who've given up everything to follow him, who have decided to live not for what is seen, but for what is unseen, a paradise perspective and eternal rewards. This is one of the many reasons why you and I can be persuaded this life is just preparation for paradise. This is why you and I can be inspired to get up again and again, to fight the good fight, to finish the race of life. And so you and I, we have to akuo. We have to listen to and learn from and live by what Jesus has said and says in our spirit. Now, can you and I get up again and again? Can we fight the good fight without hearing from Jesus? Perhaps. But I think Paul would say to you and to me that had he not heard from Jesus, he'd have stayed in despair. He'd have continued to want to die. I believe he would tell you and me that hearing from Jesus was foundational to his finishing the race of life. And here's why. Listen to what else he wrote to the Corinthians. Paul wrote, we do not wage war according to the flesh since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. Translation, I don't fight my battles in the physical realm. I fight them in the spiritual realm. He went on to say, we demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to obey Christ. And we are ready to punish any disobedience. Demolish strongholds, take captive, ready to punish. These phrases describe how Roman soldiers waged war against and conquered entire regions. Kind of like that great theological work, you know, uh, Wreck-It Ralph, who beat down buildings to the ground. Entire people groups, their ways of thinking, their culture and customs, their way of living was beat out of them, just like the way that Paul was brutally beat down. And tying a bow on this idea and these phrases is the word obey. Those of you taking notes, that's one of those words to highlight, underline and circle, or even write down, obey. It's another word critical to Paul's ability to get up again and again. It's critical to our capacity to get up again and again. And you're already familiar with it. The Greek word from which we translate obey is a derivative of guess. You guessed it, akuo. To make every thought obey Christ means to put everything under the authority of what you have heard from Jesus. This is what Paul did with every external opinion that knocked him down, with every inner thought that tried to keep him down. Paul waged war, not in what is seen, the physical realm, but in what's not seen, the spiritual realm, and in the mind. Like Roman rottings, Paul beat down every criticism, every comparison, every conclusion that contradicted what Jesus told him. Like the Jews who whipped him, Paul possessed a preparedness to punish any notion that came against Jesus's teachings. And this is exactly what Jesus modeled when he refuted the devil who tempted him. Jesus said, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of who? From God. And so, if you want to get up again and again, like the Romans beat down Paul, like Wreck-It Ralph 
beats down buildings. And like Paul and Jesus demonstrated, you have to beat down every thought and every voice. Put it under the authority of what Jesus has said. So when guilt reminds you what you've done and shame reminds you what's been done to you, to get up, beat down guilt and shame, repeating that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. When news stories and doctor's reports overwhelm you with fear, to get up, beat down fear, repeating that even if our earthly tent is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens. This is not your home. When you feel defeated by depression or addiction, to get up, beat down those dark thoughts, repeating that God's power is perfected in your weakness. When you are weak, then you are strong. When you are frustrated that your gentleness and your generosity is taken for granted, get up reminding yourself that each will be repaid for what has been done in the body. When the grief is too great, you're missing your loved one taken too soon to get up, beat down the thoughts that you will never see them again, saying that we know the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us and you can rejoice that you will be with them again in paradise, you will see them again. No matter where you're listening, no matter where you're watching, I want you to shout out or type in the comments, we beat down thoughts to get up again. We beat down thoughts to get up again. Now, unfortunately, we won't all be privileged to have an experience, a unique experience like Paul had or like Nabil had and like the millions of other Muslims are having right now. So where might you and I start today? How might you and I start to akuo, to listen to Jesus's voice? You can start by internalizing what Paul heard from Jesus. Internalize the scriptures that we just listed that made up Paul's paradise perspective. We'll have a graphic with those scriptures for you available to download from City Tribe Facebook and Instagram. Every day, I want you to recite them out loud. I do that. And I want you to do this until you internalize them and can readily recall them. I want you to declare them over yourself in order to beat down thoughts. And now overachievers, I challenge you to internalize everything Jesus taught in John's gospel. I challenge you to make it a life goal, to memorize everything Jesus taught in the other three gospels, the gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. My expectation as your tribe teacher is that we would all be able to get up again and again by beating down thoughts with what Jesus has said. For those of you who want to learn to listen in your spirit for Jesus's voice, here's an additional resource. It's a book called Jesus Speaks learning to recognize and respond to the Lord's voice. It's got some really cool practical applications and exercises for you to learn from. And because there's nothing more fundamental to building your faith than to listen to and learn from Jesus than a cool, if you can't afford it, my wife, Christine and I, from our personal bank account, will bless you with this book. It'll be between you and us. No one has to find out. Just message me to the number 210-920-0405 or send us a direct message via Facebook or Instagram to the City Tribe accounts. 
And Christine and I are that committed to you hearing Jesus's voice so you can beat down thoughts to get up again and again. We want you to fight the good fight and finish your race of life. We want you to have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I am convinced that when you start to listen for, learn from and live by Jesus's voice, like Paul, that will happen. You will get up. You will fight the good fight. You will finish your race. And not just that, you will have a peace knowing that you're prepared for eternal rewards in paradise, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you never know what your perseverance in this life will produce long after you're gone. Paul probably couldn't have imagined his lasting impact on the world. But because he accrued and because he beat down thoughts to get up again and again, 19 of the 27 New Testament books in our Bible were written by or influenced by him. Paul's writings have shaped languages and literacy all around the world. They've profoundly contributed to the Renaissance and scientific revolution shaping art and medicine and technology in our society today. Because Paul accrued and beat down thoughts to get up again and again, he had partners named Luke and Mark who wrote the gospels about Jesus. The gospels that Nabil learned from and lived by and that inspired him to leave medicine to influence millions of Muslims as a preacher. Those very gospels helped Nabil fight the good fight and finish his race when stomach cancer took his life in 2017. Because Paul accrued, he listened to, learned from, and lived by what Jesus has said. Because he beat down thoughts and got up again and again in the first century. Nabil in 2017, was able to die with a paradise perspective. In fact, Nabil's wife, who's continuing his work and his young daughter, they're able to persevere with the promise that they'll see him again. They're able to get up every single day, fighting their own fight, finishing their race, because Paul listened to Jesus. And so you never know what your perseverance will produce. It's more than just peace and eternal rewards. It's going to impact people around you and future generations. And it's those very people and it's future generations that need you to get up. So we need you to akuo, to listen to, learn from, and live by Jesus's teachings. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your servant, Paul, who is a great inspiration to us all as to why we can get up again and again. We thank you for his perseverance. Thank you for his writings from which we can learn what he heard in paradise from Jesus. Lord, and our prayer is that you would cement in us the truth that we have that same capacity through your Holy Spirit. We are strong, even when we feel weak. And so Lord, I pray that we would internalize all that you have said. I pray that we would be able to hear from you in order that we would be able to beat down thoughts and get up again and finish the race of this life with a peace that surpasses all understanding. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. We're glad you're a part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.